Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. As ugly of a meltdown as we have seen over a two-game stretch in NBA history, that was an absolutely brutal weekend for the Philadelphia 76ers. Guess Guess who it wasn't a brutal weekend for? You and the Lakers. There you go. Don't gloss over the Lakers. You couldn't give us eight seconds to get into the show without mentioning them. No. How much of of your sermon yesterday were the Lakers a part of as you gave a sermon? Surprisingly enough, I was able to work Bron Bon and the Lakers. Oh, I knew you would. But you knew it was going to (laughs) happen. It is Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Let's roll. Here we go. Only one place to start. The Boston Celtics 112 and the Philadelphia 76ers 88. We felt like we were the better team and we dropped some games early in the series. And tonight the crowd got behind us. We guarded our ass off and we came out and was able to get a little storm going and they couldn't recover. Celtics just rolled. Just absolutely destroyed the Sixers in the second half yesterday in Boston. And that was a version of the long goodbye in that second half. And Canty, I have to tell you, after what happened in Game 6, the Sixers just unable to get it done at home. You knew. You knew they were not going to have a chance on Sunday afternoon up in Boston. And as a result, they are headed home. And Canty, the blame game, there is so much to go around. I'm going to start. He doesn't deserve the biggest part of the blame, but I'm going to start with the centerpiece of Joel Embiid, who was absolutely atrocious in Game 7 yesterday. That's as bad as you can play, especially when you are an MVP. Yeah, when you're wearing the crown, you're going to get a lot of the blame when things don't go right, and and that's why everybody is looking at JoJo today. Now, I don't think that there's a Sixers fan out there, including our very own Cam Pratt, that that is looking at Embiid as more of the problem than the solution. But the reality is you need him to step up in an elimination game on the road. He's got to be the one to set the tone. And to his credit, he actually did that in the first quarter. But the remaining three quarters is where the Sixers got into trouble, particularly in that third quarter when the Boston Celtics go on an 18-0 run across six and a half minutes. At some point, your MVP player has to step up and make the plays to swing momentum back in your team's favor. But he was a no-show at that moment in the game. The same with James Harden, who was absolutely awful yesterday. Yep. Not only three of eleven shooting, but the five turnovers, just just the you know not not handling the ball well and not being able to orchestrate the offense. But to me, when you start to talk about the Embiid aspect of it and holding him accountable for yesterday's performance or lack thereof. He's got to be more impactful in those pivotal moments, and we didn't see that in the third quarter, and that ultimately cost him the game. In the playoffs as a whole, he wasn't bad in the playoffs as a whole, but Canty, during the regular season, in winning the MVP, Embiid averaged 33 points a game. Yeah. In the postseason, he averaged 23. And that is the biggest drop-off for an MVP in postseason history. For a player that won that award. Now, That's in, all fa- in all fairness now, yeah, JoJo was dealing with the knee injury. He was, we, but we I don't want to hear it. We have to acknowledge that. I want to hear it because every year he's dealing with some different injury and he's on the court and they're not winning. But he is not part of the problem in the grand scheme. You're right. He's part of the solution. Doc Rivers is not part of the solution. Hell no. And James Harden is not part of the solution because while James Harden had a couple of big games... Canty, you can't have you can't have forty in one game and then come back and give me nine points in a game seven. That was a typical James Harden meltdown. In a game uh, I'm gonna push back on that one a little bit, big fella. The Doc Rivers part, we're aligned on the James Harden aspect of it. At this stage in his career, you're talking about a guy that's closing in on his mid thirties. 
I don't know that you can expect to get more from James Harden than what you saw across this series. Now, maybe you, you'd like to see the, the, the Valleys not be as low because this guy had four games in which he had four field goals or less in this series. Ain't but, ain't but seven games in the series. So you, you, you'd like to see those Valleys not be as low. But I can point to two games where the Sixers won in this series because of James Harden. Mm-hmm. Game one, without Embiid, they won because of Harden. 45 points, including the dagger at the end. Game four, they won because of Harden, nailing that corner three. Like, that, that, that sent it in overtime. They won that game because of Harden. The problem is I can point I, to games on, that they on, lost because of him, but, too. But it, I guess my point is this. I can't point to any games in this series and say, the Sixers won that game because of Joel Embiid, and he's the MVP. I can say that about James Harden. So maybe James Harden as your secondary option isn't a championship formula for Philadelphia, but I do think there is a world where James Harden can continue to be a part of this team moving forward and they can reach higher heights. I, I do see that. The 76ers, 13th straight playoff appearance, falling short of the conference finals. So what has to change? Here's Joel Embiid. It's going to take you know more than us. We all got to look at ourselves. I got to be better and I will be better. Uh, that's what I'm focused on. All of us. Uh, we got to, you know, come back and uh, find ways uh, to just keep improving and, you know, help the team. You can't win alone. I can't win alone. I can't. Me and James, we just can't win alone. You know, that's why basketball is played 5-on-5. Five five. So, you know, we just need everybody to just try to keep finding ways to get better and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be fine. We'll have more on where they're going from here from a personnel standpoint in a minute. But let's get to the coach. Doc Rivers is 17 and 33 in closeout games in his career. <laughs> Say that again. 17 and 33. <laughs> Can't you? That's not a 340 winning percentage. That is more like a 660 losing percentage. I got a better one for you. Doc Rivers lost 10 game sevens in his career as a head coach, wow. five more than any other coach. And five straight. And five straight. There's that too. Think about that. Like the, the, the next closest coach in terms of number of losses in Game 7 is Pat Riley. Here, think, about the, how many, think about how many championships Pat Riley got. You see what I'm saying? Like the, 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 the part about Doc Rivers and not wanting to blame him for what happened with this series, I, I just I don't understand where folks are coming from. We were talking about Doc being on the hot seat going back to last year's playoffs. Yeah. And coming in this year with the MVP, there were no excuses as to why Doc – and the Sixers couldn't at least make a push to get to the conference finals. And the fact that they were up 3-2 with game six in their building, a lead going into the fourth quarter, Jason Tatum having an all-time bad performance, the worst performance in his NBA career through three quarters, and you lost that game on your home court? That's on the head coach. That ain't on nobody else. Yep. So save your excuses for Doc Rivers. I don't want to hear about the team not having enough talent outside of Harden and Embiid and Maxi. I don't want to hear it. You had every opportunity. The Celtics handed you the game on your home court in game six, Can't and you didn't take advantage of it. Since he left the Celtics after the first round, Doc is 0-9 in potential series clinching games. Yeah. 0-9. This decision is the easiest one that Sixers ownership is going to have to make. Yeah. Because you've got two 
awesome solutions out there right now. Monty Williams and Nick Nurse. Bingo. Yep. It, it, that can be done by Wednesday. Every, every part of it can be done by Wednesday. There is one more guy, though, that probably is not getting the heat, and that's Daryl Morey. Oh, he's getting the heat from me. He Let's might not it. be getting the heat from you, but he's getting the heat from no, me. No, no, no. I'm saying across. Can, people can have we, not can, talked about is, that. Is it publicly. fair to call the P.J. Tucker experiment a failure? P.J. Tucker was brought in to be a leader and to add toughness, but he you, cannot You're playing shoot. four on five on offense. I agree. He you can't do shoot. it. Like There's a self-check. Nobody's even guarding him. I agree. Him. They had to put in wrinkles where he had to rotate into the dunker spot just because teams weren't guarding him for the corner three, which he became known for down in Houston. My problem with Doc or my problem with Daryl Morey is more of the James Harden love in all of this. Um, and I understand that James is still a very good player, and I understand that he can facilitate and all that. I don't want to hear any anything about that. Uh, in the games where he is down. The inconsistency factor, if I want to win a championship, cannot be in my number two player. And let's just call it what it is. Daryl Morey has a very soft spot for James Harden, and I want to be very curious. If Harden can can come back and be a number three, if you add another big-time player, that's one thing. But if Harden thinks he's going to get max money, enjoy Houston. Well, Harden's got a $35 million player option for next season, so we'll see what he does with that. But if he doesn't opt in, I don't think he's going to be with the Sixers because I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze. I'm not giving him more money than that. And I get it. We live in an era where guys are signing $60 million contract extensions. But based on where James Harden is in his career, he's going into his age 34 season next season, I don't know that you can give him more than that and field a championship-caliber roster because it's clear to me throughout these playoffs – James Harden can still have his moments where he looks like the MVP he was in Houston. But those are so few and far in between that you got to have a more reliable secondary option to Joel Embiid. That's why you got to go big game hunting this offseason. What will help them is that Tobias Harris is going into the final year of his contract. So it's an expiring contract. It's easier to trade those contracts, even though it's an ugly number. I think it's $39, $40 million. <laughs> You've got to attack some draft picks. You might even have to attach a player that you don't want to give up. But you can move off of Tobias Harris and clear some cap and be able to bring in a guy that can be that more reliable secondary option. We'll have Tim Montemps on later on in the show. He can kind of go through some of those machinations, those possibilities with us. But it's clear to me that there's a lot of work that needs to be done with this Sixers roster and that them falling short of the conference finals this time, even though a lot of it's on Doc Rivers, you got to pin some of it on the front office. I think you pin it on Doc. I think you pin it on the front office. I think you pin it on Harden. I think you pin it on Embiid. Whatever percentages you want to dole out, that's up to you. Canty, if they are going to add the guy, I'm just going to throw it out there real quick. There's one guy, Mm. and that guy's Dame Lillard. Ooh! If Dame Lillard has finally come to the conclusion that he needs to get out of Portland— I think the Sixers have enough to get that done. I think you just outlined a lot of it. That's a younger team. Let's talk about Harris on the expiring contract. Let's talk about Tyrese Maxey. Let's talk about some picks. We're talking about a deal. Dame Lillard in Philly makes him a champion. And then James Harden as your third option? I'd be okay with that. Yeah. As long as we're clear, it's a third option. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, 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 I don't know how you wouldn't make it any more clear. Uh, D- Damian Lillard is a what, top seven, top eight player in the league when he's healthy? 
Listen, all I know is James has got his jersey Dame, hanging some Dame, of those Dame, clubs down Dame, in Houston. Dame, so. Dame time in Philly? <laughs> It'd be amazing. Ooh. It'd be amazing. But does James want to go back to Houston? I mean, that's what we've heard, too. Who knows? But Houston, hold on. Well, Houston, according to Stephen A. Smith, on Countdown yesterday, mm. they're not interested in James Harden or Max Hughes or Max Money. You know why? So that might not smart. Be, so th- that might not be an option for James. And, and quite frankly, where Houston is in terms of their program building and their roster, James Harden doesn't make sense for them. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Protect your family, your phone, and your furry friends with life, electronic device, and pet health insurance. You can watch us on Greeny on the ESPN app. Just click watch, look for Greeny, and enjoy. So, in moments, we hear from you at 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776. Who is most to blame for yet another Sixers meltdown? We ask you and we ask Tim Bontemps, our ESPN NBA insider, that question next. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and Series 6 M Channel 80. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like For the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Brainstorm. What is something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to all other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star shopify powers 10 percent of all e-commerce in the u.s and shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, rothy's and brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries plus shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com com slash greenie or lowercase go to shopify.com slash greenie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash greenie
Greeny, the podcast. The NBA playoffs. Three is good. Jason Tatum holds up five with the right and a fist with the left. He's got 51 points. I was just happy to get another opportunity to bounce back and, you know, find a way to win. Game seven is all about when to go home. Continuing coverage of the NBA playoffs on Greeny with Mike Greenberg. It's going to take a while for the Sixers to get over that one. Yeah, that's going to sting a little bit, big fella. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Tim Bontemps, ESPN NBA writer. Amazing stuff. Does a great job covering the league and does a great job on the Hoop Collective podcast with Brian Windhorst, Tim McMahon. He actually was hosting today with Wendy on assignment. Tim, we appreciate a few minutes, and let's just start here. Having spent a lot of time around the Sixers at this point, what do you see as their biggest issue as to why they keep coming up short? It's kind of a weird situation to talk about this year, right? Because obviously yesterday's game was disappointing, uh, losing the way they did. Um, and in particular, James Harden and Joel Embiid playing the way they did. But I don't look at this like, say, two years ago when they lost to Atlanta in seven games in the second round and lost to a purely inferior team that they should have beat and just failed to, right? No one really picked them to beat Boston. They weren't as good as Boston. They, for the most part, played pretty well throughout the series and came up short. Obviously, you know, as Doc Rivers said yesterday, going to think a lot about game six this summer final six minutes in particular when they led by two and then lost. Going to think a lot about game seven this summer. Um, But, like, Boston was probably the single worst matchup for Philly in the league. And they lost to them. But I do feel like they were one of the better teams in the league. And if they'd gotten basically any other matchup here, they might have been in the final four in the league pretty easily, right? So it's hard for me to sit here right now and say, well, they've got a hundred things wrong with their team because I think they're in a good spot. I just think that, you know, they could use some more two-way players. They need Harden and Embiid to play better in a a game seven than they did yesterday. Um, But it's a really good team and a really good roster that just came up a little bit short against a better team than them. So, it's a long-winded way of saying I've had a hard time kind of wrapping my head around what to make of this team throughout this series. Uh, If they weren't able to win it, and after yesterday's dud, I'm still sort of in the same place. Um, After what was obviously a very disappointing end to what had, till that point, been a pretty compelling series. Tim, as we sit here today doing the autopsy on the Philadelphia 76ers season, a lot of fans are trying to play the blame game and figure out who's most at fault for this team not being able to take advantage of having that fourth quarter lead in game six and advancing to the conference finals. So if you're looking at Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers, Joel Embiid, James Harden, who's the, who's the figure in all of this that you would put most of the blame for this team not being able to make a deeper playoff run? I mean, it's probably on all of them to some degree, right? Um, You know, Doc Rivers has obviously had a bunch of losses in closeout games in the past. You know, his team didn't get it done again, as he said yesterday. You know, that's sort of what you sign up for is both the praise and criticism that comes with being in those kind of games, uh, whether you win or lose. And James Harden and Joel Embiid were just not good enough, 
right? I mean, Joel played really well, I thought, games three to six, coming back from the sprained knee. He was bad in game seven, pretty clearly. Um, and James Harden in this series shot 60% in the team's wins and 22% in its losses. You know, like you basically knew how the game was going to go by how James was going to play. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the thing. Like, I don't think there's one person that it's their fault. Like, you know, they had that opportunity, especially the final six minutes of game six, and the whole team's offense fell apart. And everybody that was out there and Doc coaching the team all deserve blame. And, you know, I think Daryl Moore's done a really good job, but the team isn't good enough. And ultimately, it's the results league, and they've made the conference finals, semifinals, five of the last six years, and haven't got by there. And until they do, I think everybody's going to be in the same position, which is sort of not really believing this team can break through until it can and, you know, just not thinking they're good enough to really do it. Tim Bontemps, ESPN NBA writer. Of course, you can catch him on the Hoop Collective podcast with Brian Windhorst. Tim, uh, joining us, it's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Is it a foregone conclusion with Doc at this point that they're going to move on, especially after last year there being some real debate about that? Uh, no, I don't know if it's a foregone conclusion. Uh, I mean, look, I again, like I think if you look at the course of the series, I think Doc did a pretty good job. And uh, I don't think it's his fault that James Harden and Joel Embiid combined to have more turnovers than point or than shots or made field goals in Game Seven, right? Like those guys needed to show up. But as we've seen in Phoenix, as we've seen in Milwaukee, as we've seen in Toronto, you know, at some point teams decide they need to move on from good coaches, whether it's Nick Nurse or Mike Budenholzer or Monty Williams, and you know we'll see what happens in Philly over the next few days. I mean, certainly James Harden, when he was asked, uh, you know, how's your relationship with Doc and do you think he should be back, saying our relationship is okay, I think sort of sums up where his head is at, I think, <laughs> on the situation. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I like I said, I don't, I thought Doc did a good job in this series. They've won more games than they've lost, or they've won more games each of the last three years. Um, I think he's done a good job coaching the team, but you know, we'll see what they decide to do over the next days and weeks because, you know, ultimately, you know, we'll see. It, it could be a situation like, like I said, like those other places where, you know, coaches that have generally done a good job, teams decided they needed to go in another direction. Talking with ESPN NBA writer Tim Bontemps on Greeny. And Tim, looking at the other side of yesterday's Game 7, can you put into words for us what you saw from Jason Tatum yesterday? Well, I mean, he he had a great game. I mean, he came out and finally hit some shots. He hadn't hit a shot in the first quarter of the prior three games and came out and scored 11 points and, you know, got himself going. And, you know, the Celtics, when they get out in open air and they're hitting threes, I mean, they're a pretty impossible team to beat. And, you know, Tatum sort of falls into the same category. If he's out in open air and hitting threes and playing with confidence, he looks incredible. And he he's had a fantastic game uh, in a huge spot. And, you know, obviously, you know, breaking Steph's Game 7 record within a couple of weeks of him setting it the first time was pretty wild. Um, you know, you, you were, were you're asking me all these questions about, you know, Doc and James and Joel, right? If Jason Tatum doesn't hit a few threes at the end of game six, when he was truly terrible the first 42 minutes, and, you know, the Sixers just have a few shots 
roll in that rolled out in the fourth quarter, where we would have been talking on Friday about Jason Tatum completely falling apart in the biggest game of the season, and the Celtics, you know, the team being favored to win, losing to Philly in six games. Uh, hang on a second, there, Tim. Let me push right? back on that for a second, because we had seen Tatum do this last year when he went for 46 against Milwaukee. Yep. I don't know if it would have been as much, so I, I understand I'll, I'll that, stop. but if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, every day would be Christmas. Well, no, no. I, well, hold on. You didn't let me finish, A, <laughs> so I appreciate it. Uh, he would have been destroyed if he went one for 17 and they lost game six and they lost the series. I don't think there's any question. I don't think people people would have said, hey, he had a great game six last year, but that was a complete debacle in the biggest game of the season. And all I was going to say was it's just it shows how quickly these things can turn, right? Obviously, the Celtics made it to the finals last year. Obviously, Tatum has had these games before. Mm-hmm. They have They have a better record, a track record, than uh, Philly in those spots. It's just a reminder that, this thing could flip really fast. And with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter of game six, it looked like Jason Tatum was going to be the GOAT in a bad way in that series, and Philly was going to break through. And instead, he got it done when it mattered, got them to game seven, and then dominated game seven. And it went from going one way to going the other way really fast, and that's why Philly is sitting at home today wondering what happened. And it's why Boston is once again probably the favorite to win the title. You know, like it can it can flip that fast if you start to play well in you know sort of a targeted period of time. And Jason Tatum, you know, over the last fifty four minutes of the series, he stepped up when it really mattered, and the Sixers didn't. Appreciate it, Tim. Great stuff as usual, man. Thanks. Of course. Talk to you guys soon. Tim Bontemps, ESPN NBA writer, also on the Hoop Collective podcast with Brian Windhorst. Let's give you your chance now at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Let's start with Buddha up first on ESPN Radio. Buddha, what's up, baby? Hey, what's going on, guys? You know, you guys know I've been a Sixers fan since the rock of baby days, you know, when we had the real doc. You understand? <laughs> and um, listen, let, let's keep it real. Uh, to channel my inner boost uh, buffer from UFC, uh, you know, it's time. It's time for Doc, but it's also time for Maury. Uh, you know, I agree sort of with what Bontemps was saying. You know, it's a collective. But with the players, I mean, you know, you can't get rid of every player. And the, the whole thing, like you said, the, the, the James Harden, listen, anybody who had half a brain knew that that wasn't going to work out. He was in bad shape before he got here. You think he was going to get in better shape? It's ridiculous, man. I want Maury to go, too, because, you know, like I said, I tell you all the time, um, Cat Daddy, you know, and I know this is your guy, like with Joe Douglas, how many quarterbacks and coaches do you get? You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I can't have Maury hiring another coach. I I can't do it. And I I don't want Monty Williams either because he seems to me like a guy who's a little bit burnt out. I'd rather have Nick Nurse. Listen, I can understand that. Uh, I, I think I'll make it work with Monty Williams if he is into coaching right away. He doesn't seem to be to be a low-energy guy like that. Appreciate it, Booba, Buddha, but uh, honestly, um, it's a fair point about Daryl Morey. It's very fair, and I... Well, well, here's the, uh, here's the, the, part, that, here's the part that's mm. unfair. Doc Rivers is his only coach during his tenure with the Sixers. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, like, like he hadn't had an opportunity to hire another coach. So I, I think from that vein, if, if 
we'd have to get down the line before I'm making the decision solely based on that. Now, what I will say is this. Bontemps was making the point that it shows you how quickly things can change with what happened with Tatum from game six to game seven. But I'll say this. The Sixers fans been waiting for a minute, dog. Yeah, they don't want to hear I mean, about listen, it. Listen, we're talking about change. six consecutive years with relatively early playoff exits. Well, now, Doc Rivers has only been a part of half of that. But at some point, you have to look at the head coach and say, is he more part of the solution or a part of the problem? If, here's the thing. I don't want to put all of it on Doc. He's not all – he's not the genesis the of all the fix. problems. He's the easiest fix. But that's my point, though. Like, it's like he's not the solution either. No. It's clearly not the solution. So – when there feels History like an opportunity, when it feels like there's an opportunity for an obvious upgrade in the marketplace with Monty Williams and Nick Nurse, you, you, you'd have to think that the brain trust for the Sixers would at least explore the idea. Ross is up next on ESPN Radio. Ross, what's going on, dude? What do you think? Hey, I just, I just want to know, Joe Embiid. He has not been to a conference finals. Everybody keeps praising this man, making excuses for this man. I understand Doc Rivers, you know, he ain't got the best playoff records. Morley trusted the process, whatever, and it didn't work. But everybody wanted well, to get on Mor- your Morey Mor- 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 wasn't yeah, the no. process. Daryl Morey no, wasn't the process. No, no, Dar- Daryl Morey wasn't the process. And if we're going to – Well, not Daryl Morey, but, I mean, the 76ers. Yeah, yeah but here's the point. The You're going to say it didn't work. That, 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 that's not accurate to say it didn't that's work, true Ross. Thanks for the call. The process was about we can't get big-time player to come here of their own volition, so we have to put ourselves in a spot – to draft big-time players, and that's what they did with Embiid. Then they did it with Ben Simmons, and obviously his skill was off the charts, but it didn't pan out. And then they did it with Markel Fultz over Jason Tatum. And yeah, think think about work? how different the Sixers would be if they took Jason Tatum instead of Markel Fultz. And part of the think process, about it would have been different if they took Lonzo Ball over Markel Fultz. Like, think about how much better they would have been. They would have won a championship, I think. If they that. had Tatum and Embiid yeah. to work off of. They or or just think about this. How about let's not get rid of Jimmy Butler because we're afraid of hurting Ben Simmons' feelings. Which was stupid. How about that? Was so stupid. The Miami Heat are back in the conference finals. What is that, three of the last four years? The Miami Heat! You know, I hate to bring it up. I'm just going to bring it up anyway and make it about me for a second. What's that? When I was on down there in Philly, I was screaming before they traded for Butler that, and before Simmons had played a game that if you're smart, you would trade Simmons for Butler, and I got roundly destroyed for it. How you like me now? Think about this. The Sixers, <laughs> think about this. The Sixers took Jaleel Okafor in 2015 oh, with the third overall pick. Yeah. The Phoenix, the three big men. The Phoenix Suns took Devin Booker with the 13th pick. <laughs> Can't and Think about that. You oh. could have had Devin Booker. You could have had Devin Booker. You could have had Jason Tatum. Everybody's talking about the process. Oh, the process. The process didn't fail. It delivered an MVP. And if they picked the right players with the draft capital that they've had, they would have been in the championship round. And the NBA forced Brian Colangelo on you. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. 
Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Greeny, the podcast. Breaking news for the Memphis Grizzlies have suspended John Morant from all team activities after another Instagram Live video surfaced, apparently showing him with a handgun. It was easy to defend John Morant the first time. You're in a bad spot when you lose the benefit of the doubt. And I think he's lost that. It is just incomprehensible what John Morant did. <laughs> Again, the exact same thing. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny. On ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Make sure your family is well taken care of with life insurance. Protect your phones, laptops, and more with electronic device insurance. And cover your furry friends with pet insurance. How do you do the exact same thing again that you did, what, two and a half, three months ago, where you go on Instagram Live with a gun, the league suspends you for eight games... You go on with Jalen Rose. You talk about how you've learned and you're not this person. Well, apparently you are this person. Again, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. And through his actions, not his words, John Morant has shown us who he is. I mean, it was March 4th. That's two months ago, Canty. Two months ago that that, issue, that, that uh, incident happened out in Denver. Yeah, but that was just one in a series of several different incidents where John Morant or somebody in his camp was brandishing a firearm when he was around. This is who he is, big fella. And and being away from the game for three weeks and serving what amounted to an eight-game suspension was not going to curb the behavior. So, I I mean, as bad as this is for John Morant and as much as I want to hold him accountable, I also got to hold – the Adam Silver, the commissioner of the league, oh, and yeah. the Memphis Grizzlies officials accountable too because they're the ones that are enabling the behavior. Well, Silver, we both sat here and said it at the time. Wasn't enough. 
Yeah, but here's, not what, here's what I don't understand, though. The NBA had already set a precedent in how they dealt with Gilbert Arenas a little over a decade ago with what he did, bringing firearms to the facility. They suspended him for the entire season. And it ended up being 50 games. But who was that at the time? That was David Stern. Exactly. Yeah, I, but here's my point, though. The league had established a precedent. We're not going to play around with these guns. And quite frankly, guns are not something that you play around with. You shouldn't be waving a gun in a nightclub on IG Live. You shouldn't be waving a gun in the car with your homeboy riding down the street. You just shouldn't. And oh, by the way, Devontae Pack, this homeboy of John Morris that's seemingly around all of these incidents, yeah, he's needs, he needs to go away. He needs to go away. And if John Morant can't move on from him, if John Morant can't eliminate that guy from his inner circle, then all of a sudden we're having a much deeper conversation about how the Memphis Grizzlies chart a path well, forward with him. Yeah, that's the question. Do they? I mean, it's not... My point exactly. It is not out of the realm of possibility that the Grizzlies, after this happens a second time like that, don't go to this guy and say, you know, this guy, whether it's Pac or yourself or whoever, you just cost yourself $40 million with, by not making all NBA. Which is bizarre. But here's the thing, big fella, and, and I learned this through couples counseling with my wife. When you start having to issue ultimatums to the other party, the relationship is usually over. Yeah. And that's the scary part about where we are with Ja. But I feel like the Grizzlies are well within their rights to issue an ultimatum about Ja Morant and he, who, he cho- who he chooses to surround himself with. Well, remember, this was Ja not too long ago. I feel like in the past we didn't, we didn't know what was at stake. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, finally me having that time um, to, you know, realize everything, have that time alone, um, I realize that now. I realize, you know, what I have to lose and, you know, for us as a group, what we have to lose and, um, it's pretty much just, just that, you know, being more responsible, more smarter, and um, staying away from, you know, all the bad decisions. Mm-hmm. When you see somebody about to make a bad decision, stop them. That was March 15th with Jalen Rose. You know what I learned right there from that soundbite? That John Moran is a good liar. He's a good liar. I know people don't like the word liar, but that's what he did. He sat there and lied to the reporter and to the rest of America in terms of him having some level of contrition for his behavior in that Denver nightclub. He's a good liar. So if you're the organization, that's what you're faced with. There are some serious character issues with John Moran. And I know that people are going to come down on, well, maybe there's something bigger at play. There's a mental health issue there. Or you might have a disease that he's struggling with. It could potentially be alcoholism, substance abuse. People come up with all of the different reasons as to why he's behaving this way. But here's what you do when you bring those things up. You try to absolve the individual of being accountable for the behaviors. And quite frankly, big fella, when you play in professional sports, whether it's the NBA, Major League Baseball, or the NFL, there are no shortage of resources that the team and the league will provide for you to get the necessary help that you need in order to become an individual. But it is your responsibility to take advantage of the resources that are in place. And clearly, John Morant failed to do that. Nothing makes me angrier than when we start talking about behaviors being excused by disease, whether it's alcoholism or drug addiction. or In this case, stress for John Moran. Stress. That's what he mental purported. Mental health, whatever. Across the board. Doesn't matter. Whether it's here, it's mental health, whatever it is. You know, uh, I've told you, I, I deal with mental health issues myself. Yes. My family, my wife, we've all dealt with mental health issues. The one thing to be clear about is this. 
Mental health issues don't ever, they don't ever excuse your behavior, Mm. and you are still accountable for whatever that behavior is. It is not a get-out-of-whatever-free card, so to speak. Mm -hmm. It is, hey, I have to own up to that. That's part of the program for people who are in the programs. You have to own up and make amends for things that you do. So it really bothers me when we start getting into that. And as far as John Morant here and the Grizzlies, Chris, it's to me, we, we might be having to do this. If $40 million dollars yeah. doesn't change your behavior, if yeah. losing sponsorships and potentially jeopardizing those relationships with Nike and Powerade aren't big enough deterrents to change your behavior. He just said, we understand now what's at stake. Do you? Big fella, big fella. (laughs) I was told once upon a time, the best apology is change behavior. This young man has not changed his behavior, thereby he is not sorry for anything that he has done. Nope. At some point as an organization, we have to consider what this guy doing jeopardizes what we're trying to build. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.